I would like us to turn to scripture. Today we have two passages. The first one is from Genesis 3, 1 to 7. And the second one is Roman 1, 21 to 25 from English Standard Version. So I'll start with the first passage. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had met. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, it's you. Of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its tree of its fruits, fruit, and ate. And she also gave some of some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed thick leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Second passage, Romans 1, 21 to 25. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became foolish and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That's the word of God. Good morning. Happy New Year, everybody. Can we turn to front and back? Just scream Happy New Year since we're, we're really far from each other. Happy New Year to each other. We're going to begin this year with a series concerning a topic that impacts every area of my life and your life. Um, this very thing that we're about to talk about has a direct correlation of how you, how you take on relationships, the way you work or what you work for, the way you choose to rest and play. Maybe you've sat down this week and came up with 10 lists of things that you want to accomplish. Maybe not because 2022 feels like another 2021, but maybe if you had the courage, wrote down 10 things you want to accomplish or three things you want to accomplish. You're going to lose 10 pounds. You want to read the Bible one time, so you started Genesis 1, Genesis 3, 2, we're all in Genesis probably 5 this week, th today, uh, or, or something else, accomplishments about your career or work, relationships. Um, the, the, the thing we're going to be talking about today, or the thing that we're going to be covering this whole year, deals with all of these things. In fact, it's not an overstatement to say all the challenges and temptations 
and the problems that are facing us this morning or this afternoon are a result of misalignment in this particular area. It is also the very thing that shapes our greatest moments of joy and perhaps our deepest moments of sorrow. So for 2022, uh, we're going to continue. We're going to continue to return to this idea, and this is the theme, as you see in the backdrop, wonderfully designed. You see the backdrop. The theme for our community is to restore our all. Everyone say all. Ah, ah. This theme was inspired uh, through prayer. Our leadership was praying about, hey, maybe as we're approaching New Year, what would be this year's theme for us? And as we've been praying, Pastor John, myself, and other leaders, as we've been seeking the Lord, we really felt like this was an area that God wants to not only speak to us, but speak to just Christians in this city as we're returning sort of to life back to normal. To restore our sense of all. And also was inspired by a book that I, I came across last a uh, few years ago, written by a pastor named Pastor Paul Tripp. I mentioned his name several times here. He wrote a book called All. That was the title of the book. Uh, and, and really, uh, it gives you a very great, very good view of what, what, what we're trying to talk about here when we say all or all of God. And throughout this series, we're going to be leaning much into this book. This book's like $12 on Kindle if, uh, if you want to grab one. Uh, we'll probably cover a lot of these things in our small groups as well. So it's a great buy, really good book. Um, and, and we're going to be gleaning a lot from this book as, as we walk through uh, next several uh, weeks in this series. Uh, but before we walk through our passage that was read today in Genesis 3 and Romans chapter 1, here's a helicopter view. Zoomed out view, uh, and I'm borrowing a lot of these ideas from Pastor Paul Tripp's work, the book. And here's the major ideas that I want to kind of establish before going to our passage. First idea is no matter who you are, right, all of us, awe is a lifelong pursuit. Awe is our lifelong pursuit. This idea of we are all high, hardwired for all, right? No one has to teach a young child to be amazed. I remember uh, first time, my daughter Emma, first daughter Emma, you know, she uh, wanted to eat and we were preparing to teach her how to chew. First time, uh, we grinded up a piece of avocado. And I remember Emma, uh, I have video of this, it's amazing. It makes me, it just, it, it, I love watching it all the time. And she puts this, you know, just grind, it's not even avocado, it's just basically like smooshed version of avocado. First time in her mouth. And just the wonder, the amazement, the, the, her eye lit up. And she's like, what is this thing? Give me more. Um, I just remember the shock and the sense of awe on Emma's face as she f- tried avocados for the first time. And then she tried ice cream for the first time. And it was like, what is this? Uh, donuts. And just different types of things. Seeing, uh, walking on sand for the first time. Seeing water. I mean, I never had to teach my daughters to be amazed by the experiences they, they get to experience in this life. So this idea we are all hardwired for all. And all of us have sought and pursued and invested in and savored and celebrated and even been disappointed many, many, by, by many, many things in pursuit, in our pursuit of all. And we've all experienced this, whether that's our first love, first breakup. Um, even after endless disappointment exercises, we haven't stopped because why? 
we cannot stop. It's part of how we are designed to pursue all, to continue to pursue. That's first idea. Second idea, not only we have been hardwired for all, God designed the world that we live in, the chairs you're sitting in, the clothes you're wearing, the, the, the wonderful fake tree that we see. God has designed the world filled with awesome things. Not so much the fake tree, but, but everything else we see, everything else we experience. Think about all the things that we, we come across in the world, right? Colors, different shades of colors, aromas, seasons, beauty, nature. Our world really is, is an awe-filled world. It's an awesome world. Um, the aroma of freshly brewed coffee. Anyone love coffee? I love, I've had probably three cups of coffee before today, so I'm a little, little, little wired up. Uh, coffee, freshly baked bread, sound of child's laughter, the way a human body works and even heals, and on and on and on. I mean, think, think of things just to speak what you have experienced. And so, so it's very clear that we're part of this awesome world that God has created for us, an awe-filled world. The third idea is this. God created us in his own image. That's Genesis 1, right? That's the wonderful thing about being humans. We're created, uniquely created in his image. And that means as a reflection of God made in his image, we also have this unique ability to take in and produce all, to create all. Right? Our ability to hear and see and smell and taste and touch. Right? We, we have this amazing ability to tell differences between what's noise and music. I remember, you know, growing up, my sister loved playing her piano. She was terrible. It was noise. But after a while, she got better. And I was like, oh, that's music. We have this ability to, to tell difference between noise and music. A terrible, some type of cooking versus amazing, delicious meal. Um, we have this ability to see different arrays of colors and texture and shape, right? And just think about ability, right? Our ability, right? Every year, a new iPhone comes out. In September, in September, sometime in September, a brand new iPhone comes out. It costs probably $800. $800. And every time a phone comes out, it's really about cameras. It's, it's a game of who could take better pictures. And every year, they promise bigger, better lenses, more refined, better computation photography. Yet still to this day, if you think about it, no matter how hard we work on these devices, the color accuracy, the clarity, and all the details of how we can see an object, they're still not as good as human eyes. Think about portrait mode in your phones. I mean, I'm getting really nerdy. I love phones. Think about portrait modes. You, you zoom in, and we, we were amazed by this idea of portrait mode where the background is blurred. Human eyes, we have been able to do that for generations, for generations. We have this ability to be able to focus on one object and blur out, right? God has created us with this wonderful, uh, unique ability to all, to, to experience these things. Sorry, I got too nerdy on, on phones. I could go on and on. I love phones. Um, and lastly, this is another idea. Where we look for all will greatly shape the direction of our lives. That makes sense. Whether that's God or money or beauty or self or something else, whatever that is, career, family, whether you like it or not, whatever we place our all 
onto that will that will greatly shape the way we live. Probably have shaped our lives. And this is what Jesus meant. Perhaps this is what Jesus meant when he said what he said in Matthew six twenty one. Right, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We talked about this. We often think it's actually where our heart is, our treasure will follow there. But actually Jesus reverses that and says, actually, no. Often it's actually where you treasure is, there you will find your heart. So quick review of these big, big items, big picture, big ideas. Awe is everyone's lifelong pursuit. God created an awesome world. God created you and I with capacity to awe. And our object of awe will vastly shape the direction of your life. We'll come back to these ideas throughout this series. But now let's go into our passages. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Romans chapter 1. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. We come back to this passage often. At least when I'm preaching, I feel like I'm I'm coming back once a month, every other week. this, This story, right? of Adam and Eve and where everything started to go wrong. Genesis 3, verse 1 to 7, this is one of the most heartbreaking stories we find in all of Scripture, right? All of pain that we experience in life, physical sickness, emotional pain, inability to trust others, anxiety, are a direct result of what happened in Genesis chapter 3. You think about the climate change and, and, and sort of the environment crisis that we're facing globally. We think about racism, not only in our homes, but in other places, the racism that we experience living in a foreign land. Human trafficking, floods, social unrest, all of these things. What's happening in Ethiopia? I mean, you know, I, I recently watched a movie on Netflix about uh, it, was, it, was, it was what was happening, I think, in Somalia between Korean, North Korean embassy, South Korean embassy, and caught in the middle of war. And it was, it was a, based on true story. And I, I was watching these images of these children holding guns and shooting at each other. And I'm thinking, that's what's happening right now in Ethiopia. That's what's probably happening in so many different parts of the world that they don't get media, media coverage. Right? What's happening in parts of our world, parts of our neighborhoods, human trafficking. All of these stories, all of these brokenness, all of this pain that we see and don't see in the world find their root in this story of Adam and Eve. Um, so leading up to this tragic story, Genesis 1 and 2, it's very clear that God created this wonderful world for you and I to live in with awesome things like creatures, plants, sun and moon and the stars. Right, that's Genesis 1 and 2. God creating this wonderful world. And then we are told that God created humanity, Adam and Eve, in his own image. And gave us, gave, gave humanity full authority to cultivate the world. Right, cultural mandate, right? You, God, God planted this wonderful garden and placed humanity there and says, you are to cultivate this garden. You are to steward this garden. You are to subdue and rule over and, and tend this garden. So prior to Genesis 3, it's very clear that there was no sin, no sickness, no envy, only 
a perfect sense of peace. Shalom. We talked about this as well. This idea of shalom. Wholeness. Completeness. But the only place where there was no shalom was in the heart of first humans, Adam and Eve. Right? There was a sense of discontentment. And it begins to grow and grow and grow until they can't handle it anymore in Genesis chapter 3. It's very clear through Genesis chapter 3 that Adam and Eve, even though they had everything they needed, they wanted more. And this is where we pick up the story. Uh, so Genesis 3 verses 1 to 7, the writer of Genesis, who many think is Moses, tells us that the serpent was more crafty than any other creatures. So serpent saw an opening, right? He was, he was watching Adam and Eve and saw an opening, saw an opportunity, and he pounced on this opportunity, right? He, so he comes to Eve, and they have this conversation about what God says you can do and you cannot do. And, and, and the serpent tells Eve, if you, and they have this conversation about, well, well we can't do this, this won't be good for us. And, and, and basically the serpent tells Eve, if you take the fruit, you're not going to die. Eve's like, we're going to die. And, and the serpent's like, no, you're not going to die. Instead, you're going to be like God. You're going to be equal to God. Promising Eve and Adam one thing that they didn't have, one thing that they couldn't have. One thing that was only reserved for God, who was the creator, his position, his authority. So out of their insane quest to have the one thing they could not have, one thing they didn't have, what do they do? They replace their awe of God with awe of self. At the heart of the story is really Adam and Eve replacing where, where God should be, replacing the awe of God onto awe of self. Um, so verse 6, at that moment of temptation in Genesis chapter 3, when, when Eve and Adam took, took a bite of that fruit that they should not have, what they did was they took their eyes off of God and His goodness. Right? And this very active disobedience we see from Genesis 3 opened, opened the floodgates for all humanity. Right? At the bottom of every sinner's heart, is this unquenchable quest for all outside of God. At the bottom of every sinner's heart is this unquenchable quest for all outside of God. Some people call that idols. We call it all. Yet the problem is none of what we pursue outside of God is designed by design to give us, it's not designed to give us what we are hoping to receive from them. Right? The most wonderful things in life are all created to remind us of the goodness of God. But they're not, they cannot be God themselves. Right? Whether that's sex, whether that's beauty, whether that's food, whether that's success or pleasure. All of these things, book of Ecclesiastes, what does it say? All of those things are gifts. The gifts, not, not the giver. Yet we pursue humanity, we pursue these things as if they are what will give us the shalom that we all deeply desire. And this misguided pursuit is really what causes us to be restless. Do you feel restless? Are you losing sleep? This is what causes us to desire things that are not healthy for us. 
God-like recognition, God-like control, God-like power, God-like sensuality. So when Adam and Eve took that fruit in Genesis chapter 3, the awe of self overrode the awe of God and basically set the agenda for every person's thoughts, desires, choices, and behavior. And said that the glory, glorious shalom that, that enveloped all creation was gone. And which also brought conflict between humanity and God. So from Genesis 3, from this event, you turn a page, Genesis 4. The author of Genesis tells us the first story after the fall is what? The story of Cain and Abel. Cain murdering his own brother out of envy and jealousy. The oldest son of Adam and Eve, Cain, again, murders his own brother. Why? Why did, why did Cain murder Abel? I think we talked about it two weeks ago. Was it simply that Cain was just upset that God accepted Abel's gift and not his? Was it that Cain couldn't overcome his envy and jealousy of his own younger brother? Perhaps. And I think, uh, but, but I think the real issue, the heart of the matter of the Cain and Abel story, which a lot of the biblical writers often return to as well, the real issue is the fact that Cain's is not the fact that Cain's offering was accepted and, and Abel's was, but it's that Cain's offering was not a sacrifice of true selfless worship, but it was about himself, how he felt. In modern version of Christianity, I think we are in danger of, of making worship about us. And we come to church Maybe we go to lunch with friends, and we talk about, how was church today? Oh, the sermon was, was good. I stayed awake. Oh, the songs were, were okay. The band could have been better. I mean, the guitar player could have been better. I mean, all, all of these things. Oh, well, they didn't have children's ministry. Uh, they didn't have great parking. All these things are, yes, yes, part of it. Uh, but they can't be the main reason why we come to worship. Well, today I woke up, didn't feel like going to church, so there we go. That's really what, what we see with Cain, right? This idea, his sacrifice, his worship was not the selfless worship of God, but it was really about himself. Listen to Pastor Paul Tripp, and he, that's what he says. This is what he says about Cain and Abel. And I quote, The story of Cain and Abel confronts us with the cruelest of ironies. One of the places where we most powerfully see all gone wrong is in supposed acts of worship. If Cain's heart was really motivated by awe of God, then when his sacrifice was, was, a, was rejected, he would have grieved over it, but instead, he violently envied his brother in an act of jealousy, jealous rage and ended his brother's life, end quote. So what Pastor Paul Tripp is saying is Cain's problem wasn't with his brother. His problem wasn't that his gift was rejected. His problem wasn't any of these things, but it was problem of all. All gone wrong. Just like his mother, just like his father. And you turn the page again from Genesis 4, this, this terrible story of Cain and Abel. Just a few pages past, you go to Genesis 6. Things go from bad to worse. And Genesis 6, verses 5 to 6, it says, because of humanity's wickedness, 
it grieved God. God regret it. What does that mean? We won't get into that today, but that's crazy. It grieved God's heart. It took six chapters for, for, for humanity to grieve God. Right? There was violence, wickedness, sin everywhere. And no one knew right from wrong. So they, everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. That's sort of the summary of Judges and, and many of the Old Testament books. There was no sense of reverence or fear or this, this wonder for God. You see, God was no longer in the center. In fact, God was not even in the picture. Right? They did a lot of Israelites and, and, and these early, early, you know, Judaism was a, was a lot about sacrificing and, 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 and coming to the temple and paying homage and doing all of things, but there was no God in their worship. That was, that's God's main problem with Israelites, right? God's like, you come here and you all do, you wear nice clothes and you follow all these rules. You, you do this sacrifice, but at the, at the heart, it's not about me, it's about you. And this all problem continued upon generation, upon generations, from Genesis 6 to Noah, even Noah, the righteous man, can't live up to God's standard. And then Noah's sons in Abraham and nation Israel, just that's all of Old Testament. It's not until we get to 1 Samuel 17, uh, we are introduced to the story of David and Goliath. We know this story very well, David and Goliath. We see through David, he's not a perfect man. We know David's got different challenges and different things. And even at the end of his life, he struggles with different uh, challenges. But at least in 1 Samuel 17, we see a glimpse of a man from David whose all has not gone wrong, at least not yet. See, Genesis 1, 17, I mean, 1 Samuel 17 David is, is in his teens, and his father tells David, Hey, David, go visit your brothers. They're in this battle. They're part of this army. Go visit this brother and see how they're doing. You know, give them some food and see how they're doing. Uh, so David goes, and, and Israelites were engaged in battle against their enemies, Philistines. And when David arrived on the scene of this battle, David became indignant. He couldn't believe it. He was appalled. Not appalled by the terrible size of the man who was standing on the other side, this giant named Goliath. He was appalled by the fact that no one had stood up to silence this giant who's been taunting the name of Yahweh for days upon days. So David tells the king, I'll fight this giant. I'll go and I'll, I'll defeat this giant. And then we all know the story. So what was the difference between David and his brothers and all other men that were in this battle. It was all. It was direction of their all, right? Everyone else, David's brother and the Israelites, everyone else, their all, their all was what? Based, they were all by the sheer size and terror of this man who was standing on the, on the other side. He was like nine feet tall. You know, has, has weapons that were bigger than them. They were awed by the size of this man who was standing on the other side. And it had what? It had terrified them. It has paralyzed them because their awe was in the wrong place. 
And, and, but David comes along, and, and David shows clearly, right, in this, through this story, through the dialogue between him and Goliath and Saul and David's brother, we see one man whose all was not misplaced, whose all was where it should have been. How do we know this? Listen to what David tells this giant, this teenage boy, sees this scary, you know, killer. And look what he says in our passage in 1 Samuel 17. He says, looking at Goliath, as he's running towards him, he says, you come to me with a sore, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. The day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, I will strike you down and cut off your head. And when all is said and done, all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel, for the battle is the Lord's. Friends, our problem, really the problem that are facing us, whatever that may be, is not really about the size of, 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 of the challenges you're facing. It's not really the complexity of the issues. Whatever challenge you may be facing this afternoon, yes, perhaps you feel like you're misunderstood. Perhaps you feel like you are mis being mistreated at work, at home. Perhaps you feel like your spouse should understand you better or perhaps you should be treated better. Or, or maybe you're, you're being asked to take on more than you can handle. But our real problem at the heart of it it's not about any of these things. Yes, these can be problems. But the real problem is that we have misplaced our all. We, in the story of David and Goliath, we are a lot like these Israelites. And that is wrecking havoc in your life, in my life. I mean, why are you losing sleep? Why are you anxious? Why are you deathly afraid? Nope. Before coming to church, like hour before, I was, you know, we were rushing. I was trying to get our family here. My second daughter, Eleanor, is a gangster. She is straight up gangster. Um, and she refused to put her shoes on. And I'm like, I am literally going to be late for the service. And I just, I lost it. I, I, I was just so mad. And I'm driving here. I'm like, God, how could I be so angry and preach in 30 minutes? Like, I, I couldn't believe how angry I got at my three-year-old who's, who's just tired, who just needs a nap. Um, why do I continue to lash out and, and struggle? It's because our awe or my awe is misplaced. And when our awe is misplaced, we begin to not only yell at our kids in an ungodly way, but we begin to fear things that we shouldn't. We begin to ignore things that we need to confront. It causes us to mistrust, misunderstand, and mistreat not only ourselves, but others. Listen to Paul, and we're moving to the second passage of our of, of our. Um, our time, Romans chapter 1, verses 21. Listen to Paul. This is what Paul says as he begins this wonderful letter. In verse 21, he says, For although they knew God, he's talking about God's people, they knew God, 
He's talking about non-Christians. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became foolish and exchanged the glory of the immortal God or images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Verse 24, therefore, Paul continues, God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Friends, many of our challenges, many of our problems, many of our frustration comes from this, that we create these images of God or we create, we make other things that are creatures, that are created things into our object of worship. And this is the real battle. I mean, we, we, hear, we hear this, this text about birds and animals and creeping things, and we think, oh, idols. I mean, people back in the days, they were so dumb, they thought this image of, of, of calf was, was, was God. But we do the same thing with our career. We do the same thing with our money. We do the same thing with our investments, our relationships, with ourselves. And really, this is the real battle that are facing us each day. And this is the root of every wickedness that is in us that is in the world, and it is the reason why there exists a huge gap in each of us between who we want to become versus who we really are. But friends, here's the good news. Because we couldn't close this gap, this is the reason why Creator God, that's what Scripture says, Jesus, the co-creator, came into our world as one of us. Back to 1 Samuel 17, that story of Goliath and David, and David and Goliath. What's the lesson of this story? You've heard, surely you've, you've read about this battle. You've heard this preached before, Sunday school or other places. What's the lesson of this story? Is the lesson this, with enough courage and faith, we can overcome different Goliaths of our world. Is that the lesson? Or is it we are to be like David and overcome all of the challenges that are facing us with enough courage and faith? That sounds pretty good, right? Many of us heard that preached through this text, and I'm guilty of preaching that, you know, the, that from this text. But, but that's not the primary lesson of Goliath, David and Goliath. What's the lesson then? What's, what are we supposed to walk away from this story, this such a well-known story? Friends, the lesson that we need to walk away from this story is that we are not Davids of this story. And no matter how hard we try, we could never be like David. But we are like the Israelites. We're like David's brothers. We're like King Saul, who was supposed to take on this giant, refused to do it. Then who is David? Who, who is David representing from 1 Samuel chapter 17? Who do you think David is? David is foreshadowing Christ, Jesus, who came 
to fight the battles that we cannot fight. And it's only by placing our trust, just like the Israelites in this story, placing their trust on David, just we placing our trust in Jesus, we can, we can face these battles and we can win. And there's victory. And this is the gospel. This is the gospel message of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Jesus, the greater David, lived a life that we could not live and died the death that you and I deserved because of us and for us. And only by fixing our eyes on our champion, Christ, only by fixing our eyes on Him and not looking to other things. That's when God begins to restore our all. God begins to restore our sense of wonder. And, and, and we can really begin to face different challenges that may be facing us. I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to minimize your pain, your suffering, things that you're going through. But I am here to encourage you. Let's look at those things in perspective. Because we're not without champion. We're not without a savior. And I hope as we begin 2022, this is really my prayer, that we will be a church that, that truly honors God for who he is. That truly at the center of our worship, it's not about bunch of different things, but it's about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we will continue to return to this message. Um, before I pray, I want to give you guys a moment to pray. Um, this is first Sunday of this year. Uh, perhaps uh, some of you guys are in the middle of a crisis. Perhaps you're dealing with things that are way beyond uh, your ability. I want to give you guys a moment to bring those things to God. Uh, perhaps you need, you need to be reminded the battles that you're fighting, the things that you're facing today, you're not fighting them. That's not your battle. It's a battle of the Lord. And so what we need to do is instead of trying to pick up whatever we can pick up and throw at, at, at our challenges, we need to get on our knees and ask, God, God, would you help me? Would you show me Jesus in this situation? Would you show me how to, how to trust Jesus in, in, in my workplace, how to trust Jesus in our homes, how to trust Jesus in this relationship. Let's just take a few minutes, uh, bring these things to the Lord. And if you're able, would you just pray for our church? This is the theme that God has given us. Um, and and it's, I think it's a wonderful theme. But it is a theme that comes with great challenge because it's, not, it's so easy to make our Christianity about something else. It's so easy for us to fall into the trap of all of self, all of our career, whatever. And would you just say, Lord, would you help this community? Let's pray. Can we also spend 
few minutes um, in posture of uh, humility and repentance. If we have worshipped any created things, if we have declared to God things like God, I could, you know, I could, I could have, I could have none of these things, but I need this, but this, but this. Uh, if we've, we've worshipped God or came to God with that kind of mindset, or if we've, we're doing our, we're walking our faith in that mindset. Can we just take a moment to repent and say, God, you are the Lord. You are our champion. And you're not here to make things happen for me. You're not here to make my life comfortable and convenient and easy. Your, your vision and purpose for not only my life, but life, the, the bigger vision is, is, is to bring your kingdom So can we pray, Lord, restore the, the kingdom values in our hearts as we approach this new year. Let's spend a few more minutes praying, praying together. Father, we, we come and, and Lord, we confess we don't deserve anything that we have. We really don't deserve the mercy and grace that, that you offer us today. In fact, who are we that you are mindful of us? You are creator God. And we are we're created beings. Yet you care for us. Yet you meet us where we are. So we just pray you would continue to re realign our eyes and our hearts to you and to what your son has done. And Father, through by being able to do that, we declare no problem is too big for you to handle. No challenge is, is too hard for you to solve. Um, no heart is too far away. And we declare, God, uh, that you are, you are king. You are our champion. You are our Lord. And you are a champion, not in a way that you're going to do things for us, but we're following you. Where, wherever you take us in 2022, we are following you, Lord. And we lay down 
our, our ideals or our ideals of, of what life should be like or how church should be or how our marriage should be and, and our, our, our work should be and our children should be. And, and, and we say, Lord, you, you take it and, and you fulfill whatever your will is over these areas of our lives. Holy Spirit, would you stir up hunger in each of us? Lord, we confess too often we desire so many other things than you. We desire Netflix over your word. We desire entertainment over praying. We desire self-sovereignty over your sovereignty. We desire We desire things that we shouldn't. And so, Lord, would you just restore us once again in that area? Holy Spirit, would you inspire us? Would you awaken our senses? Would you awaken our heart? Would you make us softer to truly desire you for who you are, not what you offer, not what you can give? Would you purify us? Lord, we thank you for this promise. We thank you for the story of David and Goliath. Continue to move us towards you, God. We love you. We thank you. Just let me pray. Amen.